if there's a list of values and one of them is a possibility that we don't really live out, and I see that happening and nobody does anything about it, the entire list is suspect. You throw the baby out with the bathwater on that because everything is like, well, if they don't live that, then they don't live those. The next person who comes in, how do they know? So you need to put the ones on there that, that you really live out. You can talk about aspirations if you want, but this is who we are. Here's who we're striving to be are two different things. Welcome back to season three of the Ripple Podcast. My name is Seth Silvers, and on this season, I'll be your co-host along with Chris Hutchinson, the CEO of the Trebuchet Group. I'm a young business owner aspiring to build a business that makes a difference. And on each episode of this season, Chris and I will be having candid conversations of challenges and issues that business owners, managers, and leaders face while attempting to grow a company. This week, we dive into the challenging question of how do you maintain your values as you grow? I think whether you are a CEO, a manager, or really in leadership of any kind, you probably want to grow. But at the expense of what? Do you have to compromise your values in order to grow? And I really think the bigger question that we have to address is, have you even defined your values or are they stuck in your head? This is absolutely necessary. And Chris walks us through some things that you can do to define and keep your values as you grow. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk about maintaining culture and values while your team grows. Is that even possible? Or what happens when you start growing and maybe you don't have values or don't have stated values? How do you do this? And how do you do it when people on your team maybe even have completely different values than you do? So Chris, to start, I'd love for you to kind of help me understand this at a high level um, and help me understand some of the challenges that a business faces culturally when they start to grow. Because the last few months have been crazy in, in many ways, but one of the ways they've been crazy for my business is we've been growing. And that's been wonderful and it's been a privilege, but I've realized that, uh, that there's growing pains and the bigger you grow, the problems that are not solved, they don't just go away. And so this is something I've been thinking about a lot is, um, you know, my business, I'd like to say that there's a lot of values behind it. Mm-hmm. It's very personal to me. But how do I maintain those as our team grows? And with every person, every person doesn't have all of the same values as I do. So this is just kind of a challenge that I've had and I wanted to dive in. That's an awesome challenge. I, we, we do a lot of work with companies who have values on a wall somewhere, like a plaque, mm-hmm. or maybe they reinforce it through some paper, things like that, screensavers even. And what I've found is that while that can in- indicate some of the culture, it's you don't change the culture by changing this people's screensavers. It's really how people show up. And to me, the values that are lived behaviors, you know, behaviors you really do really show your show your values. I like again my my uh, mentor Pat Lencioni. He has a sort of a stack of values, and and I, this, you've seen this before. I mean, a lot of people did it. Good to great had some information in it. There's, there's been a lot of things around, well, you need to know your values. You know, well, gosh, let's go get our values. Values are really the way you're acting. And so there are some that are just what uh, Pat calls present to play. If you don't have them, you're not here. Like really banks shouldn't have a value of an integrity because if they, at least a core value that they're focused on, because if you can't be like, have a little bit of integrity loss and be at a bank. You either have integrity or you don't. And the things at the very, very top of the values are those aspirational ones, the ones that people say, well, we value innovation and 
I'll ask him, well, tell me examples of how you've lived out innovation. Well, we made a new product like three years ago. We, we're very innovative. That's not a core value. That's, and, and people usually say, well, you gotta be, or you should be, or you have to be. That's an aspiration. And so the things that I think are the most helpful to focus on are what are the things that call us to be our best? And we might even struggle at times. And those are the parts where you're going to make a difference for yourself and others because they're distinguished. They're, they're unique and important. And by the way, I'm not going to be a clone of those values, and neither are you. You're going to, you're going to bring a whole bucket full of things that you value and behaviors you're willing to do that indicate those. And I'm going to do the same. And I think the key in an organization is figuring out which ones you need to call out and ask people about and have them live out, hold up as examples. And when people don't do those things, you can help them along little ways and then tell them that this is a place that they really, why would we have you here doing things you don't want to do and asking you to live a way of life that it's not you. That's just not right. Right. So we're going to let you go. So I'm in a position, I mean, I put my values on my job descriptions as I put them out and nice. you know, that that's good enough, right? No. Transparent and vulnerable, that's good. Yeah, I like it. But like, I think that I've, because for the first few years of my business, it was mostly me and you know, random contractors and yes. part-time people and different things. My values mostly lived in my head. And I'm sure that most business owners would they'd probably be able to list more values than maybe their team would be sure. because you're so personally involved in yep. it. So I've realized that as you grow, it's a problem to have those values in your head and mm-hmm. not on paper and not communicated and different things. So what do you do if you're starting to experience some growth or you want to experience some growth, but your values, you don't really feel like they're being fleshed out in the work you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, if I walked around behind you with a clipboard and followed you for a week, I could write down your values. At least if I think about that, again, the differentiation I'll say is the behaviors, the, the core values that you actually hold and do. It's not like you say, I love my kids and I, I love spend, I, I really love them. Yeah, you never spend time with them. Yes, but I love them. That's not, that's not a behavior I'd see. You don't spend time with your kids. So something else is more important. Um, so you can do that to yourself if you want to, is like look and see what's most important. Where are those places where you're finding yourself clashing and you go, damn it, I, this is what's really important. Write it down. Uh, or it's not this. And not this doesn't help you as much as what it is, but it can start to give you an indication. Those things where you see yourself having a lot of energy, like, yes, that was right. That's the right thing to do or the right thing to be, the right way to show up. Write those down. Um, and that, that can help. And sometimes it takes somebody outside of yourself to do that because it's like breathing to you. It's, it's just part of who you are. And so it's hard to imagine why would somebody not do it that way? Mm-hmm. In fact, it's, I think it's important as a leader to see what you value and what, how you behave as strengths so you can see other people as growing into that versus being inadequate. Mm-hmm. And so something you're really good at and it's just part of who you are, if you look at other people and you're like, God, why aren't you like me? And I know people don't consciously think that, but unconsciously they think that. And that comes across. People start feeling like I'm not good enough. I added on to however they feel to begin with. So, so I really like um, writing them down, kind of testing them. If you have a significant other, they can probably tell you, you know, what are the things that I'll do no matter what? What are the things that I'll do even if it's hard, if it costs me, if it's uncomfortable, but I will still go do it? Um, those are the things where you can start reverse engineering your values out. And I think I, I like um, 
Jim Collins, the good to great guy, who I mentioned briefly, he, he had a really, I was at a, a session that he had, and he did it really great. Half the session was formal, half the session had people in tables, they got together, asked him questions. And one person said, look, Jim, you're the right people on the bus guy. How do you know they're the right people on the bus? And he pulled up his hand, he goes, three things, values, will, and skill. Mm-hmm. And he's like, values, it's vitally important to have compatibility, not lockstep. Nobody's going to be the same. But on those core values, the ones that hopefully you've identified as these are not sacrificable, uh, we're, the, we're similar enough. Will give people a little slack because, you know, they might not have had the same authority or job, right? And, and frankly, skills, you can train them. How do we hire? And then he like pointed his finger the backwards and said, we hire for skill. We try to get will and we fire for values. So that's really led me to think a lot, and we do it for us. We ask a lot of value-laden questions and not, do you like X? It's, tell me about a situation where you were challenged to do, to have this kind of behavior. Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, making sure that we have a good chance to understand how people are living that out. Right. So I think a lot of listeners will say, that sounds great, but I didn't listen to this episode before I hired. Yeah, dang it. <laughs> All now of what these do I do? people. And so what do you do when you realize that you have people on your team that don't align with those values? Or maybe I sit down and I go through this exploratory yes. process and right. um, you know talk to the people around me and I come up with in a couple of weeks, oh, these really are my values. Yes. And I realize, well, dang, I should have done this three months ago. Well, there's a couple of things. First, first I, I do want to have a little asterisk on that would say, there's going to be values that you have that you think the business needs that the business may not need. So there's there's a little interim step in there where you would say, what's most important to the business? You know, I might have a certain value that I've lived out here and it is the business as I've done it. Is it vitally needed? And so vetting your own values that way to say, what are the behaviors that are absolutely vital in this business no matter who's here kind of question. And it's hard to get outside yourself, but let's pretend you did that. You have five, you know, and again, it's not 27. It should be like three to seven, no more than seven, I would say, so you can actually remember them in your head. And then then it's thinking about these other folks and deciding, okay, how much do they show up with these values and how important is that? And asking them questions about that as well. But I think, I'm, I'm guessing it's sort of something where you're like, wow, there's really, I'm great, it's fingernails on the chalkboard every time this person comes up because their values point them in a different direction than I believe is right. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm, I don't feel like there's anybody on my team that doesn't necessarily share the unspoken values that are stuck in my head. Yes. You will. <laughs> yeah. like, I, like there's good chemistry and good <laughs> synergy good. and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, when you go through the process of defining these values and then you realize somebody's on your team, do you just do what Jim Collins says, which is fire for values? It, it depends on the value. I mean, it depends on how important it is to you. And, and what I, uh, I recommend this kind of exercise where, and it's, it's brutally hard, where you basically put the values on a grid across from each other and every one of them you say, which one wins? So basically you sort of celebrity deathmatch every single value against each other and you figure out which one, which one is the one that should always win. Okay, that one, yeah, if somebody doesn't have that, that's probably a drastic mistake. If you have some of the ones where they have four of them, but they don't have the fifth really strongly, I think it's a conversation around what do we need as a company? Here's what I think. What else do you think? And what do you mean by that? And, you know, I could write one word up there that says flexibility or something. And you think that means bending over backwards. And, and I think it means just that I'm willing to, you know, move two degrees to the right. So I think having conversations around that, what are the stories and, and stories of the way that values live on? 
and then the way you capture values. Um, there's this really great story about Nordstrom's, and you know they're crazy about customer service, right? Yeah. And they could tell you long, lengthy tales about that. They actually had a guy, and I don't did I tell this story before? I've heard this, but I want you to share. Okay, I'll share. Yeah. So the story I heard is he went in with snow tires, and he said, you know, these snow tires are not working. I'm really disappointed in them. I want my money back. And the Nordstrom's person gave him, you know, had their seat or whatever, and gave him the money back. Nordstrom's doesn't sell snow tires. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, hmm, maybe I should change my tire shop. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I'm not sure this actually ever happened. It's sort of mythological folklore. But, you know, that one little tiny story can tell you, okay, there's a big wide range of what's acceptable behavior. And how, what should I be aiming toward? Not, not the perfect penultimate example, but, like, if I'm not aiming that direction, I'm probably aiming the wrong way. So, so values and behaviors don't have to be, you know, you have to be perfect at it all the time, but they give you directionality and say what's important. Right. So I don't, did I answer your question well enough? Yeah. To like, okay, what do you do when you have this person who's like just, it's not the same match. Yeah. And, and it's your think, fault, dang it. Well, and I think you kind of have to know your values to know what to do in that situation. Yes. And stuff to know, you know, some are going to be more non-negotiable then. Yes. If it's the non-negotiable ones, then no. If it's things that you really like or preference or is really cool for you, is there another way? Yeah. And actually, the the church that I go to, you um, go kind of through this like membership class or whatever, you know, yeah. kind of go to lunch four times and they teach you different things. Right. And they, one of the lunches is kind of just about the vision and values of the church. And they do this thing where they kind of draw like this, you know, they draw this this bullseye. And I can't exactly yep. remember sure. what it is, but it's like, okay, these in here, you know, these are a non-negotiable okay, right. beliefs. Like just a few. Like, yeah, this is just it. a few. And if you then, don't believe these, probably this is not the place for you. Exactly. And then, you know, kind of the, the next one is, um, I think they say uh, interpretations. So I might say, see it a little different than these. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, this might be, there's some some scriptures or some theological beliefs that we might interpret it a little bit different than right. a church that maybe you grew up in. Yeah. And What's the outer ring? The outer ring. The wastelands is, is and gnashing and teeth. Preferences. Oh, preferences. Yeah, it's preferences. It's, you know, you don't like raising your hands in worship. That's a preference. That's not a theology. That's not something that we should I think should that's say. a great model. And I think really thinking about your own behaviors in the company, you know, what are the non-negotiables that basically if somebody does clash, they're not here anymore. What are the ones where it's interpretation? Hey, you know, uh, we'll figure out how to deal with that. But preferences, you know, sure. If you want to have long or short hair, that is not something yeah. we care about, even though I like mine short. So this gets into, and I don't, I don't mean to bring in too many political conversations, yep. but our culture is becoming more and more increasingly kind of all inclusive when it comes to values. And so, you know, the, I feel like the examples that are always on news of super values driven companies that people are yep. always talking about is like yep. your Chick-fil-A and stuff. Some of your larger companies that are still driven by primarily, you know, Judeo-Christian values. Sure. Um, this gets way more complicated, you know, if mm -hmm. you're a faith-based business owner or if you're right. a Muslim business owner, um, you know, you're not necessarily only allowed to hire people for a for-profit company that perfectly mm -hmm. align with your theology and values. So help us understand maybe the difference between like corporate values and then maybe if we have like religious values or different things like I know that's that's kind of just like yeah. a, a little bit of a, a word vomit of here's <laughs> this this conversation that you can't talk about values in the workplace 
too much before you get into business owners are going to have individual values to their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And how does that translate then to others? Yeah, I think that that's a, I mean, you're raising a good point in terms of where's that line. And I think your little, your concentric circles thing is part of it because some of the things in my mind, if you really strip down many, this is, this is my belief, is that many religions down to the core, it's about treating others like yourself and about caring for others and making a difference. And then there's practices and preferences built on that that could be identifiable as you're this or you're that or you're leaning this way or that way. Um, I think it's really vital to understand those differences at the same time look for the connection between them. And I think the larger organizations definitely are in the place where, yeah, you can't look at some of those differences and say, well, you're not here. If you had people who were stealing, for instance, um, I don't think that's okay for most organizations. And it doesn't matter what background you come from. That's not going to be okay. So there, there's definitely things that are behaviorally based that make a difference that we're going to say yes and no. I think there's many other things that are preferences or comfort levels. It's very uncomfortable to not know what as a leader, I don't have the answer, and I'm bringing other people in with other answers. And there are times when my team's like, Chris, you're the leader. Just make a decision. There are times when I make the decision, and they're like, yeah, but not that one. Right? So it doesn't really – it's like, wait. You know, I, I, you're getting me both ways. Yeah, we are, but that's the leadership thing, and we want you to be both things. Very concise and very clear, and we also want you to be uh, very open to our perspectives. I'm like, well, yeah, I, it's hard for me to do both. So going back to the values, you know, I can be very concise and clear about what my values are. What's going to serve the organization? What's going to serve the people we serve? And are those aligned with it? Mm -hmm. I think there are many organizations right now, and business leaders especially, that are being challenged to look at their makeup of the people that are with them. What experiences are they missing? What voices are they missing? How, how do we have a team? I mean, I believe teams are stronger with differences harder to deal with. It's very easy to deal with a team where everybody's the same, but you're really just like, how much capacity do you have? Remember that, that discontinuous change? Discontinuous change, to succeed in that, you need people that have very different perspectives. If everybody has the same perspective, like, gosh, I don't know what it means when water goes out from the, down, out the beach. I don't know, do you know? I don't know, okay, I guess we're okay. You know, like, versus somebody saying, no, no, no I have a ancestry that says this is really bad. And I know this story, and I've seen this coming because my grandparents told me about it. So again, there's, there, I, I, there's a, a deep connection and friendliness and social connection between every one of us, and that's a wonderful thing. And that can also add to our own cruelty because it can have us seeing people who aren't friendly with us as not okay. Mm -hmm. Very hard human thing to overcome, and I think really great companies are gonna figure out how to get past that. Mm -hmm. How to include everyone, even as they're different, given also, you know, you're not talking stealing and some of these other things. Yeah, it's not okay. But even some folks who are, who are forced into situations where they feel like they don't have any other choice, how can we help them out of that? Yeah, and one interesting example that I'm thinking of is a chiropractor that I know. And, you know, most of the time when you're in their office, they have faith-based Christian music playing. Yeah. They're not, I, you know, Probably Christian. invisible to them, right? They don't yeah, even know. Yeah, they don't even know it. I'm sure that one of their values is not, we play Christian music. Exactly. Um, it's probably, you know, they probably want to have an uplifting and a positive environment. But to them, that looks like that type of music for them and stuff. So it, I, I'm kind of sensing that business owners and leaders, we probably need to like, 
dive a little deeper into some of those values and those cultural pieces to realize, um, you know, a value that I might be looking at as something really, really specific that's tied towards my preferences or my beliefs. Yes. In a business setting, it's probably not actually that. I, I'm probably thinking of like the the practi- practical or the practicality of that value. When in reality, the value is we want to have an uplifting environment. And so yeah, there's probably exactly. a lot of wasted tension over like, you don't like the music we're playing. And so I think that you're fighting me over my religion when in reality, it's like we're, we're not having the conversation we should, which is yeah. it's a value for us to have an uplifting environment in our office. Well, and I think uh, being a white male in the majority, and I've had a lot of, it's completely invisible to me, the advantages that I've had. And it's very, very apparent to people who aren't like me, especially minorities, what advantages they do not have, what advantages I have that they don't. And so it's similar. There's even, I would even say, um, to flip it around, there's times when I get asked questions about from my my team or other teams, like, well, leaders are this way and managers this way and labor's this way, or you know, we're the and, and it's like, hey, we're all people and we all have different perspectives. I don't think anybody, this is my personal belief, I don't think anybody's better than anybody else. I think that it requires all of us to figure out how we're going to get through this together. Now, where do you draw the boundary? Around your business, with the people you're willing to let in, the people that you're serving, community, the the world. You know, so I actually, in a way, I feel that the, the leadership that I try to display and help people grow through is, a, in a way, a spiritual practice of helping lift people up. And I, I, do I walk around saying, hey, I'm lifting people up. It's a spiritual practice. No, but I think deeply within each of us, there's value. And if we can respect that with each person in a way that they feel respected, I think that we can get amazing things to happen. Yeah. And is it comfortable? No. There's going to be times when that respect might be, hey, I've noticed three times in a row, you do this and say that. What's up? And it's very uncomfortable to hold people accountable in that way. I don't like to do it. It's one of my greatest weaknesses is holding people accountable because I'm like, well, maybe I saw it differently or maybe I'm just not hearing it the right way. At the same time, um, I hold myself accountable pretty hard. So how can I let us share that responsibility a little more? I'm not overly responsible for the results and neither am I sort of treating them like they're less than by taking that responsibility and asking them to pick up that responsibility. And when we do it together, which isn't 50-50, it's like 80-80. It's like a, a good marriage, you know, is that I'm, I'm going to step up when it's hard, and so are you. I really strongly believe there's almost nothing we can't do. How important do you think it, I mean, how important is our values in line with our growth? I guess another way of asking would be like how, how connected are the two? values and in, in growth or well, I think, in, I'd say maintained growth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the place you see it is where they're disconnected because people are like, well, we're growing fast. I guess that's not that important. We just need people and, and, oh, they're probably okay. Or the worst case is that, well, they get results. So we're going to keep them even though they're not fitting our values or what we're asking other people to do. Yeah, talented that's, that's a recipe for disaster because as, and I don't know who said it, but it's brilliant that, you know, organizations get the culture that they tolerate. That, is, that sticks in my mind because I can tolerate a lot and that's not always helpful. There's sometimes when I gotta go, you know, this isn't really helping, so what's up? Or uh, I love Alan Mulally. There's a great interview of him by Pat Lencioni. And he's like, you know, uh, that thing that we asked you to do, you can keep on doing, you know, doing it the way you wanna do it. And the person says, really? Yeah, you can keep on doing it. You just can't do that here. 
So we're totally okay. I love you. I want you to do what you're doing and you won't be able to do it here. So up to you to decide. Do you want to change what you're doing or do you want to do what you're doing someplace else? And he, and you can even hear in my tone, there's no blame, no shame. It's like, this is just the way it is. And I care about you as a person. And I can also say, this is unacceptable to keep doing here. I don't have to get mad or angry or blamey or, um, and I think when you can get, at least I strive to be in that space so I can do that for myself and others, because then I think we have a place where I can, we can be resilient with each other. I can misstep and I know it, it's not, oh, well, too bad, you're fired. Right. It's a place where I can learn and grow. Right. Is there one or two values, what you might call them something different in your organization, but kind of a value that you could share with our audience of this is something we really care about and here's some examples of how we made sure it stays a part oh, of yeah. our team as we've grown over the years. We we have I would say that the the values have been similar but our interpretations of them have changed over time to where we're how we talk about them. One of them that I really like is um, that we have three right now that we've boiled it down to be brave and love. You kind of hear that in some of the stuff I've already shared is that that might mean that I need to, as, as another one we had was dare to differ. And we actually put it into brave and love. Like if I care enough about you that I really respect you, I'm going to tell you when I have a different point of view and I'm going to listen to your different point of view. And that's hard. And we have the dare to differ because it's like it's not fun to differ. Better to just kind of go along and, eh, you know, that's Chris, that's Seth. Um, that that to me is just, uh, we've we've, one story that we did uh, about the living out that value. So even when it's hard, we live out that value. It wasn't articulated the same way. But in that be brave and love is we believe people are fully capable, even if it looks like they aren't. And there was one member of our team who was having a very, very, very tough time, not doing very well a number of years ago. And we see people as whole, and the language crept into what he was saying about people being broken and wrong. And we're not fixers. You know, you can't be brave and love and fix somebody in, in our book. And at, at one point, I kind of confronted him and said, hey, I hear you talking about people like they're wrong and bad. And, and it feels like you're trying to be the fixer. And we, we try not to do that. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, you're right. I got to be the fixer. And I was like, oh, man, this isn't going to work. So you're not going to be able to work here anymore um, because that's not who we are. But at the same time, Seth, I just told you that like, we believed that he had all the capability. We want to love him. So we ended up, um, long story short, essentially provided him some ways and a couple clients that he didn't talk bad about to go ahead and start his own consultant company. It cost us a little money, and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, easy to do. It was the right thing to do if we're going to be brave and love somebody. So that's, I think, when you, if you want to see if your core values are really there, like that was non negotiable. We were not going to sacrifice that value just because somebody's sort of quote unquote deserved it. He didn't, he didn't, des he, he deserved maybe different treatment and we went ahead and loved him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really, it's a beautiful story. And just example of, uh, I'm, I, well, I'm sure that now you, you don't look back and regret losing that little bit of money for that. It, it was pretty uncomfortable at the time. And, and I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. That's, I can tell you, it just wasn't like, up. Oh, Absolute certainty. And I was like, I think this is the right thing to do. These values are pulling me forward to ask this of me. I'm going to try to live this out. That's interesting. So what would be some recommendations that you would have for, I guess, not just like making people feel like they're a part of, the, of a team, but for really beginning 
you know, you have an existing team, you mm-hmm. have an existing company, mm-hmm. your values are not as ingrained as you want them to be. And yes. so you're bringing those in. What are some recommendations for going to a team and saying, hey, you know, whiteboard meeting, here's our values now, yes. and including people, getting them to actually buy into those values. Right. So yeah, and the whiteboard meeting is, is pretty close to what I'd recommend, even as we're separated, you know, you pull out a, a, a shared document or something, put things on it. I believe, again, when I said that the values live in our stories, what are we, you know, asking the question, what are we really proud of individually and collectively in our work? What are we really proud of individually and collectively? Let's just shorthand those. Don't do the whole story, but just shorthand them. Heck, you can put them in a chat and just say, you know, and then put them in a document. We have some, some shared tools that we have where we can look at them all together and then vote on them, prioritize them. But, and then have people talk to those. And ideally, the, the filter I love to put on that is it's not you. You saw it in somebody else. So that gets away from the I don't want to toot my own horn stuff. And, you know, what are the things that we're really proud of? What are the things that we would do differently if we had a chance? Mm-hmm. And, and then what's, what's the delta? What's the difference of, you know, what, what would we do differently? Um, and then you can even go to the one if you want to about, like, what are the things that we would, we would not do again? And why is that? And so I think that's a way to figure out, start thinking about what are the values, you know, what are the commonalities in those then? Those are probably your values. Yeah. And then figuring out, you know, okay, how do, we, how do we describe that? It may take a few iterations, by the way. I would definitely do it as a draft first, wet concrete. Do not get the iron tablets out. And the caution would be if anything is a well we should or it's a, it's a possibility, you want to take that off. Because if there's a list of values and one of them is a possibility that we don't really live out, and I see that happening and nobody does anything about it, the entire list is suspect. Mm-hmm. You throw the baby out with the bathwater on that. Because everything is like, well, if they don't live that, then they don't live those. The next person comes in, how do they know? Right. So you need to put the ones on there that, the, that you really live out. You can talk about aspirations if you want, but this is who we are. Here's who we're striving to be are two different things. Yeah, so what do you do with the striving piece? Say, for example quality mm-hmm. might be a value of ours. But then when I go through this practice with my team, yeah, quality isn't necessarily one of the things that shows up, although a lot of other great things do show up. And then I'm in a position where, you know, I want quality to be one of our core values. Yes. What do you do in that place? Well, then uh, there's a couple of things. One of the things you, you need to advocate for that and say why it's important and then figure out how willing are people to start living that out. And then the last thing, I'm going to say it's very short, but the last thing is figuring out what structures do you need to reinforce that? Maybe the metrics we have include a quality metric. Maybe, you know, there's some things you can do organizationally to build in something where, again, it becomes our behavior. Therefore, then it can become a lived value. Interesting. Yeah, that's the, I think there's probably some fear involved with going to your team and you know, you hope oh. that your values come out. Yes, but then, the, the first part. Know. So there's two things you can do as a leader. Well, you can get a really great facilitator, which is, that's important, but no, self-plug there for our team. Um, actually, it's important for you to sit down and figure out what your values are first. Then figure out which of those you think are vital to the business, kind of what we said before, and think of examples for yourself. Yes, you're coloring the water by doing that, but then you'd want to put one or two or three of those up, you know, in each of those examples. Here's where we, I'm really proud of what we did. Here's where I think I would do something different and point at yourself, right. not at others. And then here's something that I would definitely do differently. And so share some of that up front. So you've, you're not giving them the answer, but you've pre-thought it. So you know how to articulate the pieces you have. They'll figure out their parts and you'll, you'll be influencing them. I mean, they wouldn't be in your company if they didn't have some connection. Right. 
And if you have a big values conflict, this is another foot stomper hint, go to a value share. So um, for instance, one of the values that one of my, my employees uh, that used to work in my company, he had a very deep desire to really work things out and high level of intellectualism and theoretical practices and everything. And I'm pretty pragmatic. Um, and so we kind of fought on those. I was like, well, I don't want to take a lot of time for this, you know, because we need to get results. And he's like, no, we need to figure out the right answer. And we both actually had a fairly high degree of utility. So we both matched in utility. We wanted to get good value for the time spent. So that's what I went to with him. I said, how much time do you think, what's the value of this answer? And we could talk about that. And then how much time do you think it's going to take? We could talk about that. So we actually came to a, a meeting, even though we had different perspectives, because we shared the utility. Mm. It could be around how you treat people or it could be, you know, there's other things. But I guess when you have value differences, fighting those out is not going to help. Go to a place where you match and then see what you can do about that. Yeah, I think that's great. And um, there's definitely, it's it's just so funny how easy it is for values to live in our head. And then for us oh, yeah. to assume that everybody knows those things that are living in our head. And then we get frustrated because you're not, living in line with my values, well, but I've never exactly. asked you to. Yeah, well, and and everybody lives that way, right? Until you are proven differently. And then you go, why would somebody do that? And my work with intercultural folks, I mean, I lived in Germany for a while. We had au pairs in different countries. I would ask that question, well, why would somebody do that? That's just stupid. And then I realized, wait a minute, we do it differently. Why do we do it our way, right? And so I think when you can get in that aspect, then you can start to say, what serves us all? Yeah, and I, I think I heard it once said that the majority of frustrations are just unspoken expectations. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, and it's it's so true. The majority of the things that just piss you off, you realize like, oh, that that's frustrating because I... It's not the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, that person... Everybody does this way except for all these other people. Yeah. And I think that's the danger of being in a, um, a group of people that think similarly is that you have bigger blind spots because you don't know what it's like to be outside of that. And so that's, again, uh, a plug for diversity of people yeah. and experiences and, and ages and, and uh, educational backgrounds and everything, because that's actually going to make you stronger. The more that you're similar, the more you'll group think, which is wonderfully um, support. It feels great because everybody's like, yeah, I would do that too. Yes. And you miss out on so much. And there's so many people that are getting potentially alienated by what you're doing. Indifferent isn't necessarily bad. No, it isn't. And there's times indifferent is like, that's not okay for what we do. And that, that's the hard part about being a leader is being, for me, is, is saying that's different enough that it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's very uncomfortable because I believe, I believe in this differences. So I'm challenging myself. Hey, am I just kind of sitting on my nice comfortable biases? And, and that's what's holding me back here from doing, from accepting this person? Or is it that this is really a challenge for us as a business? Yeah. Well, thank you. This is, this is really helpful. And I think for me in the position that we're in as, as my team starts and continues to grow, um, which is exciting, I'm seeing the importance of sitting down. And even though I think I know the answers, I need to sit down and I probably need to talk to some people that I know really well and answer that question of what are the things that I'll do no matter what. And then I probably need to sit down with my team and just say, what are we really proud of? Um, and really have those have those practices and go through that. So thank you for that input because I think that'll be really valuable and I encourage all the listeners to to do the same. So I wish you the best. I, I, I'm sure there'll be some surprises and hopefully they'll be mostly good.
<laughs> mostly, mostly good is, uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take mostly good. You take mostly good, good. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening. I know there are things from this conversation with Chris that I will be applying to my business. It is just so easy to keep our values in our head. And this conversation will hopefully help us get them on paper and to get them in front of our team so that we can build value centered organizations. We'll see you next week on the Ripple Leader Podcast and you don't wanna miss it because we are gonna be talking about how to get your team to take more responsibility. If you like this episode, I encourage you, share it with a friend or colleague and we'll see you next week.